Positive Podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's not about to hang up his rock and roll shoes. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hameen. So for this episode, we have a repeat revisitor. You might remember him from the Jackson Brown Late for the Sky episode. He just released another great record called Selling Things. Please welcome to the podcast, Brian Dunn. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I feel uh, I feel wildly anointed. You, you are. <laughs> there, there, there aren't that many guests who have made uh, multiple appearances. So, uh, yeah. We're, it's an honor. Uh, happy it's to have you honor. back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but... Uh, Brian, you, you, you've done this before, so what T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, right now, I'm wearing a T-shirt from a local uh, restaurant called Greenpoint Fish and Lobster that I, uh, I actually just ate some clams from there. So uh, trying to support local these days, you know. Fantastic. And how about you, Wayne? What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, this is the most appropriate shirt I could find. This is one from the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Very nice. Fantastic. All right. And uh, I'm wearing a Stephen Kellogg t-shirt. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So I'm giving a little kudos to uh, Stephen who hooked us up the in the first place. That's very true. Back, back <laughs> last uh, last summer. So there you go. So how, how are you coping with the whole stay-at-home thing? I mean... Uh, I've never been particularly good at staying at home, so it's, it's, it's pretty much a nightmare for me, but, uh, I'm just glad to be, uh, healthy and alive and drinking a glass of wine right now and talking to you guys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge. I already work from home. So, um, having all of the kids home, uh, because schools are closed down. Right. That's like, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a big deal for a lot of people. I, I don't have that particular experience. <laughs> not, not great. And I will, I will tell you that. So they, they've been really good about getting their schoolwork done because they want to get schoolwork done and then go play video games. Problem is, is my office is downstairs from the TV room upstairs. Hold on a sec. I don't know what the hell my dog is doing. Hey, shut that dog up! Oh my goodness! It's not even my kids this time. It's it's my wife. Okay. Oh, it's no worries. Um, I, we literally were on a management call today. We had my manager and my publicist on a call, and my manager kept interspersing with. Um, Shouts at her her three children, but I kept getting confused as to whether or not I was being yelled at. Um, and so, so, so you'd hear just like me and the publicist being holding our breath for a second and being like, and she would then come back to the phone and be like, no, 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 that wasn't for you. I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, everybody is adjusting. Everybody is adjusting to this. This is all all new to us. Um, so, so you are doing a. Uh, online concert series though i am yeah what what are you calling it again uh so uh the wednesday concert series is called uppers and downers and it's sort of this plan we devised that that um i don't know it was i I feel like it's supposed to ruin my career or something but uh, it's basically (laughs) a weekly 
concert series where I, I talk to people, I read bad reviews, I play a few songs and I, um, talk about how this is all driving us up the wall. So, yeah, I watched the one from your bathroom. Actually, uh, like, that's, that's been the most sounded dirty. <laughs> it was my bathtub. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was so far. That was the most popular one. So, uh, you okay. tuned in at the right moment, but yeah, I, I did one in my bathtub with my robe on and, uh, you know, it's sort of, a sort of, sort of indicative of the times. So your shower curtain is pretty amazing. Tell tell the audience what your shower curtain is. Oh, my shower curtain is this. <laughs> uh, my shower curtain is this picture of Jeff Goldblum with his arm around a chimpanzee. But um, it's actually it's it's weird. It's it's it. The original picture is just Jeff Goldblum with his arm across the couch drinking a glass of white wine. And I don't know why somebody. Um, superimpose a chimpanzee on that but they were selling it on amazon and i thought well if anybody should have that shower curtain it should be us <laughs> that's that's so awesome uh so i've been spinning your record lately got my autographed copy of selling things oh thank you um though i think the record was not signed by you because the autograph looks like john lowe is, <laughs> yeah that's is a- john is john lowe your alias no i i have a very 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 bad signature I've been working on it for for 30 years and it's not gotten any better. <laughs> what is it about uh, musicians and their penmanship, their the autographs? Like like most of the autographs that I have of musicians are not super legible. You know, and I have a pretty good like my 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 standard writing, but when I when I when I go for the cursive, it just becomes madness. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was going to say that I only bought the record because Caroline Spence is on two songs. Oh, okay. Fair. I'll accept that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I absolutely do love Walk Me Home. So how, how did that, uh, how did that song come, come to be with, uh, you having her on, on that song? You know, that's funny. Um, so we're, we're, we're good buds and, and everything, but we actually were just, I was recording the record in LA, um, and we just met up for coffee and we're having just our morning coffee and hanging out. And I just sort of was like, Hey, why don't you swing by the studio? And, um, in between the time that we had coffee and, uh, the time that she came by the studio, I had played her stuff for the guys, um, which is me and Sarlo and Sam and Sean, all, we were, we all were sort of a team working on the record and they really liked her voice. So we were just like, let's, let's try one. And then we did one and that sounded real good. So we tried another one and honestly, it really, uh, to find sort of those two songs. I love it. 
yeah, but it was it was very it was just like a very casual thing. It wasn't planned. We we knew we wanted somebody to sing on it. We just didn't know who, and it just sort of fell into our laps. So I want to see a Brian Dunn, Caroline Spence tour. Oh well, we've talked about that. We've we've done some shows. Make you know. make that happen with the yeah, with the date with a date or two in Florida. Hell yeah! If we're ever allowed back out again, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I know, seriously. So so going back to that song, that so what prompted my favorite lyrics? So um, you say. I say, slip me the chorus, give me verse after verse. Yeah, you know what? That particular lyric, so that song doesn't have any any sort of B section. Right. Um, and I was, I guess I was sort of justifying it to myself at the time, where I, I, I was just sort of, the song I'm sort of talking to myself in a way. And I was just, I just needed another verse. And I, so I was sort of just thinking out loud there, but also uh, the producer of the record, Andrew Sarlow had sort of asked me to write a song without any bridge that just was sort of like sad eyed lady of the lowlands, something that just ran on and on and on. So that was sort of, I, I sort of had that on the mind when I was writing that. Okay. Not that I'm comparing Walk Me Home to Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> hey, aim big, right? I guess so. Yeah. So I'm taking it that the song Getting Wrecked on Election Day is a true story. Uh, it's definitely, they're all based on true stories. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, Getting Wrecked on Election Day is probably one of the more autobiographical songs on the record. It's uh, kind of just about the last five years and very specifically, uh, the the year 2016 and um there was this place we used to have on union avenue in brooklyn um we had this really shitty rooftop but it was a it was really fun to hang out there so (laughs) so take a look at the mess we made getting wrecked on election day maybe insane one day we're young and the next we ain't if nothing matters in the greater design well at least we had a pretty good time at least we had a pretty good time uh so i'm assuming that um hopefully there isn't going to be a part two of getting wrecked on election day because we got some bad results. <laughs> honestly, I honestly fucking hope not. <laughs> I don't on right now. Everything is, is so beyond comprehension. I, I can't even process it all. I just, you know, let's just hope for the best, man. <laughs> yeah, I know when we started this podcast, I, one of the ground rules I said was we're not going to talk politics and we have, We've completely blown that out of the water in the last, uh, what, month or so, Wayne? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, was, it wasn't a hard, fast rule, apparently. No. I mean, you know what? No. It, it, it's, uh, at this point, it would be like not addressing the elephant in the room. It's, um, I, don't, I don't understand the time we're living through, uh, but I just feel like some, someday they'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Not, not fondly. If yeah. there is a someday. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. 
Well, let's switch gears. Let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk the video for Nothing Matters anymore. So you played like okay. nine different characters in that video. What what was your favorite character to play? Uh, the one I'm a pretty bad actor, so probably the ones closest to myself. Um, that was probably due to lack of uh, being able to afford other people to star in the video. We would definitely have reached out for a celebrity if we could afford one. But um, uh, okay, yeah, no, uh, I the whole thing was. Honestly, to shoot it, it was very uncomfortable for me because I'm I so not an actor, and it was it was a vision I had. But then when when it came time to execute it, I needed I basically needed like therapy on set because <laughs> it was it was I I don't know, man. Acting is a whole thing, and it's not my bag. But they cut it together, and it looked good. So oh, it's I, great. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's totally fun. Yeah, no, it came out great, and it definitely captures the spirit of that song, which is that reality might be stranger than than fiction these days but um it definitely acting is not my forte so um it was good to be in good hands with that one yeah you didn't think about shaving for the female character part right no i no no wanted to be uh just in my my (laughs) there was there was no place to do that if i wanted to (laughs) yeah so so was that a local local uh, convenience store that you knew of, or did they actually like have a talent scout or a location scout to find that particular convenience store? Uh, we actually shot it in Michigan, so they oh. found the place, oh, and I rolled up in my clothes, and they dressed me. <laughs> and uh, and the weirdest thing about that video is that the store remained open while we shot. <laughs> So the whole time, and it, so I don't know if you guys know this, but in Michigan, uh, convenience stores have liquor. Um, so that, so behind the counter is, is just like bottles and bottles of liquor, like a liquor store. Right. Um, but the, the area we were in was pretty, pretty run down and everything. So people were coming in for their sort of like their daily, their daily fix and, uh, very upset to see me behind the counter <laughs> but, it, but basically the person who was running the store would poke up and sell them their their hooch and then they'd go on their way and then I, we'd continue filming oh my gosh that is it hilarious. was crazy so so some of the people that are in the video towards the end that are not you were the were those some of the people that needed their hooch honestly uh i'm i'm pretty sure one of them was the rest are are people that were on the crew that okay. volunteered to be in the video, but th- there's one or two of them that had particularly cool jackets on that. We were like, let's get them in the video, have them <laughs> sign the release, you know? So what part of Michigan? That was, um, outside Grand Rapids. Okay. Yeah. Not, not terribly familiar with that. It does have, does have yeah, it does, <laughs> does have a very, uh, Detroit vibe to it though. So we were on the, uh, so Grand Rapids is on the other side of the state, but, right. um, yeah, I honestly, I didn't know. I was going out for a show, and um, we just went out a day early and made it happen, you know? Nothing matters anymore, she said. All the truth is irrelevant. Just look at the president. Can you believe this shit? And all the while I was thinking now, this girl met outside a bar downtown.
I met those guys. Uh, they came to a sound check of mine and they shot a video for New Tattoo. And uh, it was pretty successful. So we've we've worked together ever since. They 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 worked on another video on the record um, called Chasing Down a Ghost. Okay. Has that has that come out yet? Because I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah, that one's out that's too, and that's that's also shot in Michigan on the coldest day of the year. So, you know, you I don't I don't know. I've been to Michigan a million times this year. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, I feel like a horrible host since I did not watch that video. Oh, it's okay. We'll just cut that part out. I did not did not do my homework. So. You're, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, I thank you. Appreciate that. No, we've we've been super busy with um because we typically only record like once a week. That's about the limit mm-hmm. that Wayne can do. You know, <laughs> he's he's I I wish he gives me crap every time I schedule like you know two two episodes to record for the week and and now we're doing like two or three recordings a week because people are available. Right. Yeah, it's the new world. We we do we all are <laughs> we all everything's been turned upside down. Yeah. So I feel like a half-assed host because I'm not doing quite as much uh quite as much research as I have in the in the past. No, no, no. <laughs> don't don't you worry. My apologies. All right. Well, you've already answered our Toto's Africa question. That's true. We're we're going to retire the question sometime this year, but we're we're really struggling to figure out what question should we replace it with? Because we want to have a question to transition from like the, you know, the interview questions, promoting your new record questions to the record that you're going to talk about. So what what should I replace it with? Well, you know, I find the most divisive, subje- uh, the most divisive subject in all of music to be Billy Joel. Oh, I feel like okay. I feel like, especially living here in New York, I feel like where people stand on Billy Joel is very important. And it's honestly, it's if if we uh, have a couple drinks together, it's gonna it's gonna come up. So, what's your opinion of of Billy Joel? I just had this 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 uh, debate with with my uh, with my wife the other day. So she was doing a puzzle, trying to pass the time away, and she put on a Billy Joel playlist, and most of it was like the seventies Billy Joel. And Mm -hmm. so we started talking about, well, I don't really like the nineties Billy Joel stuff at all. Like river. Well, and also, yeah. And, but you know, do you, do you persecute an artist for their latter day sins? Hard to say a lot, a lot of great artists from the seventies and eighties made some big mistakes in the nineties, you know? Um, yeah. But the thing about Billy Joel is like, can you recognize his sins, musically speaking, and still have love in your heart for him? And that's uh, that's yeah, sure. What I what I what I sort of what I what I sort of engage with people on because as a New Yorker, I I have a lot of love for Billy Joel. I recognize when people say they 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 can't stand him. I under I know what they're talking about. It's not like if somebody came to the table. And they said they hated the Rolling Stones. You know what I mean? So is the divide at Innocent Man or is the divide at Stormfront? You know what? I think it's arguable that the divide is even earlier than that. I mean, there are, you know, Billy's first number one hit is just the way you are, right? And that's like very yacht rock. That's as, is very, it's very soft rock. You know what I mean? Um, And starting from, 
and honestly, even things on the first two albums, there's there's some very cringeworthy moments uh, that a lot of us can see past. I, I I know what you mean by does the does the does it start at an innocent man, aka his sort of like '80s MTV moment, or does it start at Stormfront, which is the beginning of the end for Billy Joel? Yeah. But I feel like it's it's really there's a through line there, and it's just that there's been enough time since just the way you are for it to fall into the seventies Joel category. So, so we go back even further. We go nylon curtain, we go glass houses. What do we, what do we do? Well, I, I think that glass houses and nylon curtain honestly are the, probably the two least guilty Billy Joel albums. The, the, the two that probably hold up the best. Ah, uh, the stranger, the stranger, I feel like is pretty solid. I, I think you could see it happening on Glass Houses, which at the time I, when it came out, I was pretty young, but I, I, I thought that was mm-hmm. rock and roll. That's like I love that record. Um, not, and I, but I see the, I see the, the flaws in it. But the Stranger, I thought, was pretty solid top to bottom. It seemed like right after that, it started to, started to, and it's just, it's not that it, it was all bad. It's that some of it seems like a pop for pop's sake, or a I don't cash know though. And I, I know what you're saying, but I, I feel like if I were to parse it out, I would think that I think of The Stranger almost like I think of Rumors. Like every single on that record was a big hit, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's almost like Rumors. And then I think of like an album like Glass Houses is maybe, oh, this is ballsy, but Tusk, you know? And maybe even more so The Nylon Curtain as like an experimental, I mean, there are still two very big singles off the nylon curtain, but, uh, it's, it's largely pretty experimental. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, and I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge, I, I don't like to, I don't like it to get out, but I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. Okay. That's interesting. Why is that a bad thing to say though? I didn't say it was a bad thing. Okay. I said, I'm not comfortable with it. Also, <laughs> but that's like things like that's to be noted. You know, that's important. Exile on main street. And yeah. 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 I just not not everything that I, I I'm not proud of everything I, that I that I love Ben. Well, that's it's interesting though that it's telling that you love it but you're not proud of it because who's everybody's proud of loving Exile on Main Street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody would ever roll their yeah. windows up or roll their eyes when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Billy Joel is guilty in some ways. So when I'm rolling down the highway it, with my Toto Four, Wayne, you're you're not going to be happy about that. No, I wouldn't be happy at all. I would have <laughs> my car at my head out the window, hoping to hit the hit a sign or something. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we we've talked like I don't know seven eight minutes about Billy Joel, so maybe this a, that's a good uh, that's a good good question. To- I yeah, you think he's onto something? It's it's one of those because I just know personally, it's like. Uh, you know, it could go, it could go either yeah. way. Some people are going to love him and some people are going to hate him. And some people like me are going to be right in, right? Both. I have both feelings. For Maybe him. we ask the question. So when did you jump off the Billy Joel train and when did you jump off the Phil Collins train? You're asking me that? No, I will <laughs> ask all of our guests that. So, and maybe you never jumped on a, Phil Collins train. I don't See, I, I, I mean, I have a whole different thoughts about Phil Collins. Um, I understand why you put them both in the same sentence, but I, I've, I found they've sort of worked in sort of disparate ways where Billy Joel, when you're a kid, or, or maybe this is just for me because I sort of grew up in 
in a post Billy Joel time. Uh, you love Billy Joel until you find out that he's not cool. And Phil <laughs> Collins is only not cool until you find out that you love him. Yeah. You know? And I feel like the tone yeah. has really changed on Phil Collins in the last 20 years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know if Phil Collins ever was cool. Like, I think we we gave Billy Joel a little bit of a pass in the 80s because he was married to Christy Brinkley. So <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. It does need to be taken into account. It it totally does. At least for us dudes. Like if I throw that out to a female, I don't know. They they may have a different opinion of that. So I don't know. No, I like it. We'll, we'll have to test this uh, out on a couple more uh, episodes, Wayne. Yeah, I think Billy Joel is the key. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready to retire, Toto. Once once we get Steve Lukather on, on an episode, then then it's... It's curtains. It'll be it's the last person we ask. Yeah, it's curtains. <laughs> curtains for Africa. So there we go. All right. Well, Brian, tell us uh, what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Okay. Well, I, I'm almost surprised you guys are even letting me do this. But uh, <laughs> one of my favorite records, movies of all time is Eddie and the Cruisers. Um, and we're going to do a deep dive on the soundtrack. I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with doing this. In fact, um, this soundtrack is so ingrained into my fabric that, uh, yeah, I played the crap out of this soundtrack back in the day, and we'll 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 talk about it as we we go through. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's 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 in my DNA. And for people yeah. that aren't part of this, I, I, I've tried to show it to people and they're just like, what the fuck is this? You know, this is just like <laughs> this insane feeling. He, and then and then if you ever show them Eddie and the Cruisers 2 where he's got a mustache, oh, don't, like, <laughs> don't do that. Don't you know, do that. but uh, for me, this was just like, um, I don't know. It was just, it was something so embedded in my East Coastness, And obviously like, it's, it's very clearly supposed to be Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Um the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, there's just something so familiar about it. Yeah. So Wayne, how about you? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I, this may have been one of those guilt, guilty pleasures back in the eighties. I don't know if yeah, I yeah. really broadcasted that. Yeah. Hey, I really it was like, like this. my love, my love for Billy Joel. Was, Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. uh, I tried to find this because I did not see the movie. I, and I, once I, when I saw the choice, and then I listened to it. I was like, I wish I could. I Brian obviously has. He was young and impressionable and he loves his movie. And I know I have a bunch of movies like that um, that I thought were great when I was a kid and the music associated with them. So I'm all in on this, but I could not find the movie anywhere. No, I couldn't either. Um, I Because on Monday, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I better watch this movie, get some sort of context for this thing. And I, I looked everywhere. And I, short of buying it, I, which I was not, was not going to do, <laughs> I could not find it. So, uh, Ben, have you seen the movie? Yes. Okay. Back in the 80s. I have not seen it probably since 87 or 88, though. So the, I don't the, remember hardly anything of it. Okay. So the skinny on it uh, is basically like, the story is like they're doing a they're doing a, a, a this journalist is doing a, a story on an, a musician who killed himself in the '60s, and his one record really changed the world. And it's totally factually inaccurate. It makes no sense. It's like they sound like the E Street Band, but the E Street Band would have never been that 
back then in like Beatles America, you know, uh, it's, it's a very, it's, 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 it's borderline like a Hallmark movie. Um, yeah, there's continuity issues. That's yeah. for sure. Very, yeah. very much. So the guy that plays Eddie, he's like very clearly not playing the guitar the whole time. It sort of fits into the, a lot of like the overblown eighties, uh, B movies, but it, there's something so, um, bombastic about it that makes it so good. And then they kind of like, they have this semi ridiculous soundtrack that's very clearly like, and I believe they did try to get Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band to do it. And they obviously passed, but <laughs> it's like a very good, uh, impression. <laughs> yeah. Like the bands yeah, from New Jersey. Sucks. I agree. The the bands from Jersey, they've got a black sax player and a white singer and a and there's like a, a an inner band romance and then there's the, like you know like all these things happen and it's very you know they asked Bruce to do it and he said no. <laughs> that doesn't sound like anything about the E Street Band at all. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you know much of John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band? Yeah, so so when I was a kid, I used to go see them uh, at this this little club that held about a hundred people in the town next to mine, and uh, and it, you know at the time, so such a big deal because like you know this is the these the guys that did the music for Eddie and the Cruisers. Looking back, you know, not that crazy, but um, yeah, man, they kicked ass. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I did a little little uh, dive on on John Cafferty because um, you know I remember a couple of their records. So they they released "Wild Summer Nights" and "Tender Years" on uh, a single back in 1980, and I guess it did well on the East Coast, but they were not wooed by the major labels, probably because of. Um, there's already a Bruce Springsteen, um, <laughs> and, and it wasn't until, um, they got approached by the producer of Eddie and the Cruisers to do the music and see, this is going to totally date me when I give you this information. So the, the movie itself didn't do well in the movie theaters, right? I and it that. wasn't, in, and it wasn't until HBO started playing it a lot that people were like the soundtrack for this is killer yeah man <laughs> and so um and we'll talk about it as we go through a couple of the singles because the the first they released um they released on the dark side and tender years both the singles originally when it was in the movie theaters and both did you know crack the top 100 but didn't do much and then it gets played on hbo and all of a sudden, it becomes top ten hit. John Cafferty is now, you know, getting some airplay. So it's 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 a cool, uh, it's a cool story to go along with the movie. Totally. You know? And I know that there that that um, I, I think on the dark side, maybe even crack the top ten. I could be wrong about that. I know there's a music video for it with it them with like cuts of like the movie interspersed. Um, but so they're, they're a band from Rhode Island. Uh, but obviously the band in the movie is from New Jersey. And I always remember going to see them. Uh, they would change all the lines about New Jersey to something else. They were definitely like a little, a little sore about it. (laughs) 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the follow-up album, Tough All Over. So that also made the top 50. Yeah, I've got Tough All Over. <laughs> I do. I've got it on vinyl. I never want to hear C-I-T-Y again. That is not, that mm-hmm. is not, that is not a, a great song off that record. Living in a C I T Y, right? <laughs> I just remember going to That's a it. dance where some people were trying to do like a village people inspired C I T Y arm motion dance. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I, I can't ever unsee that. It's uh, it's awful. Um, and they they're also on a couple Sylvester Stallone soundtracks. So they have a song on Cobra. Guys, guys, watch Cobra. No, <laughs> no. I believe I've yeah, I've seen parts of it at least. It's not good. Um, so they have the, the I think they're the theme song, and I don't remember what the name of that song was, but um, they're on Rocky Four. Yeah, they have a tune Hearts in Rocky Four. Hearts on fire. Hearts on fire. Yeah. Right. But I actually, um, you know, it's it's funny. My parents. I, I remember discovering uh, Eddie and the Cruisers probably on HBO. Um, and my parents had a copy of Tough All Over. Uh, so, like, I, I guess when you're when you're that little, you don't know the difference. Like, you don't know what was a hit and what was not a hit. So I just remember taking it at face value, you know, like the first song, like Voice of America Sons. I mean, it's obviously very Bruce, but I thought that that was just what music sounded like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever listened to the Eddie and the Cruisers soundtrack. Well, we're about to dig right in. I'm sorry, the Eddie Lives. I meant to say Eddie Lives. Oh, Eddie soundtrack. Lives. Okay, so yeah. Eddie Lives. If you've never seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's it's five years later. Uh, okay. The entire world is looking for Eddie, and nobody can find him because he has a mustache. And that is the that is the emotional fulcrum of the movie. He calls himself Joe West, and the, and like it's literally like he's at the bar. It's on the news. Like people are looking for Eddie Wilson. Nobody can find him. He's the most sought out human in the world. And it's literally just him at the bar with a mustache, and people are just like can't find this guy. That's the it's the whole premise of the movie. And by the end of the movie, he shaves his mustache. Wow. And they're all like, oh, my God, it's Eddie. <laughs> all right. Uh, you didn't sell it very well. I don't I don't think I want to see that. You know what? There are some good songs on Eddie Lives. Is there? Okay. Yeah, there's a couple good songs. Not not as solid as Eddie won, but there are some good songs. All right. All right. Well, if we can ever find it on the streamings, I mean, we couldn't even find the first one on the streaming. So I have a hard time believing Eddie Lives is somewhere out there, and I'm like you, Wayne. I'm not. I'm not about to go buy the DVD uh, off of eBay or whatever. So, let's jump into it. Let's go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs on this record? Uh, just ten. Means top score or top song is going to get ten points. Next favorite nine points on down to lowest score of one. And um, I'm basing the scoring off of the tracking on the original vinyl, which I own. Um, if you look at Spotify, they combine two songs off of side A, and then they separate the Season in Hell song into two parts. And I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. As I well. should also say, um, 
growing up, I had the I, I bought a cassette of this, and for some reason, because the song "Runaway" is in the movie, and the song uh, "Mockingbird" is in the movie, "Tender Years" and "Wild Summer Nights" were missing off the cassette, probably due to some rights issue, and um, those are two of my favorites on the record. You'll find out. So um, there's a soft spot in my heart because I was never able to find them. Huh. Okay. Well, that kind of goes back to what I was saying of those two songs were released previously by Cafferty. So, huh. Interesting. All right. Let's jump into it. First song is On the Dark Side. So initially when it was when this was released in September of 83 the song peaked at number 64 and then when it was released to HBO and and home video and pay cable um so it peaked at number 7 wow. on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 when Billboard used to have a rock track rock tracks chart um this spent 5 weeks at number 1 on the rock <laughs> tracks chart. So there you go. Um, lyrically, there's not a whole lot <laughs> with this song, right? Well, there's just the one verse. I never even realized yeah. it. Yeah, just one verse, a pre-chorus and a chorus, and I they just do it a couple of – I never realized it, which actually says something about it musically because you don't really notice no. it. I mean, it's the same, it's the same. We've heard the, the chord progression a million times. It's the same chord progression as, um, you know, uh, what I like about you. It's the same chord progression as R-O-C-K in the USA. You know, it's that classic E-A-D kind of thing. And you know what? It works. It does work. Um, you got any E-A-D songs? Uh, working on one <laughs> right working now. Working on one? Okay. okay. All right. I don't even know what else to say about this because, like, usually we'll go dive into the lyrics, and it's like, no, this is just talking about um, the dark side's calling. It makes me feel crazy and makes me feel mean. Yeah, that's I think about it for the for the plot of the movie. He's supposed to be getting into heavier things, even though drugs aren't a part of the movie. He's supposed to be like embracing his Jim Morrison, right? Right, and that's that's kind of the the whole theme of the, of the, of the movie, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The dark side is calling Wayne. What's your score? This is my favorite song off the record. I think, and like I say, musically, I think it, it, it's really fun and makes you forget about the fact that there's only <laughs> one chorus that they just repeat twice uh, or one verse. And uh, 
But it's definitely from that opening piano riff. I mean, you would think that was Dana Feder- Danny Federici, the saxophone player. He's playing like Clarence Clemens. And that was my continuity issue with the whole thing. And the right. movie set in the early 60s. Bruce Springsteen and the e Street Band was early 70s. And there's literally it feel a thousand years musically between the early 60s and the early 70s. And so it didn't that that was my and I found that issue like they're clearly, like you said, trying to sound or it, maybe they're accidentally sounding like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. But John Cafferty has a very he has that deep Bruce like voice, just missing that hoarseness that makes the, him the boss. And uh, but it's still a great song. Like I say, you 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 can't help but enjoy it. Yeah, going back to that that whole um, this was in the '60s. I can't remember. Did the movie did the movie address anything on racism? Considering that, uh, probably not. But yeah, you probably wouldn't have. It probably would have been a rougher yeah. in New Jersey to have a black saxophone player. I would have, in your I would have imagined that's in the deleted scenes. Probably. My guess is they tried it. Probably. Yeah, I'm. One of these days, I'm going to have to watch this again. All right, this is my ten as well. Just because, again, um, it takes me back, man. It takes me back. Um, Brian, you, so you, your score. You both got it. Yeah. Uh, I've got it at an eight just cause I had to save room for two of my favorites. Yeah. And I don't feel, but I don't feel good having my top score being Wayne's top score as well. And I, never, <laughs> oh. I never, I never feel good about that. Um, all right. Next song. Tender years. Tender years. This was another one that, that that got reissued. So it peaked at number. Let's see. I'm looking at this. Peaked at number. I heard it was like made 31 on the top on the Billboard Hot. Yeah, I'm looking at looking at the 40. original. The original when it came out was number 78, and then when it was reissued, it it was number 31. So there you go. 31 is. It's top forty. Yeah, it's still respectable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember hearing this on on multiple stations. I mean, it was on the 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 pop station, and um, it was definitely on my parents' station. The top, you know, the the soft rock station. And they made a they made a video for this too, right? I think so. I feel like there's a video, but it might be just like cuts of the movie. Yeah. What do we like about Tender Years? It's a little more complex. I think there's three verses in this one. Um, it every time I hear it, though, it, and once again, the same same issue as before. This sounds like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band from the early '70s. The movies in the early '60s, but this I, I you see a smoky Jersey bar whenever they this during any time they play this song. It's it's tailor made. It also feels like it's inspired by Grease, too. There were a couple of songs on here where I was looking at the lyrics and I th- thought, I feel like he was watching Grease when he was trying to, but he was trying to, because he was, they gave this to Cafferty and was like, hey, can you write us some songs for this movie? Well, this was one of the ones that he had already written. It, 
Oh, was yeah, it? This was yeah. This this was on the the wild summer nights. Um, I think uh, he was. I think he was watching Greece. Maybe summer love, beach romance, solder kiss in the sand. Yeah, two young hearts filled with fire. Sounds like uh, Danny and Sandy. Reminds me of the <laughs> Flamingo Kid. Did you ever watch that, Matt Dal- Matt Dillon? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Anyway. I mean, they're classic American ideas. Yeah. Oh, Danny true. and Sandy and Bruce and John. <laughs> there you go. And Eddie. There you go. Uh, you ever cover this one? You're asking me if I, yeah. I uh, never, never publicly. I could. <laughs> we could do it right now. Okay. That, that's going to be one of the up, uppers and downers shows coming up. I mean, hey, if you call it in, I'll call I can't, it. I can't resist. I'll call it in. I'm calling it in then. All right. <laughs> I was going to say not a whole lot lyrically here um, as well. It's, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely got a sixties, sixties um, lyrics vibe where it's just, you know, it's, it's a top 40 hit and that's, and that's good. Let's get some scores. <laughs> Wayne. Let's get some scores. Eight. Brian. Nine. And this is my eight. Okay. All right. Next song. Run we're all in agreement that it's a good song. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. In comparison to the other songs on this record, yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, next song, "Run Around Sue." This was, of course, a cover. So originally a number one hit for Dion in 1961. In the Belmonts. Yes. Uh, Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Put this at number 351. How's that? Oh, wow. I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) I would say it's the 351st best rock and roll song. Yeah. Yeah. Covered by a lot of different people, Del Shannon, Chubby Checker, um, Gary Glitter covered this. Uh, yeah, there Ooh. there are also some samples. Yeah, uh, there are. I think he spelled Sue different. Yeah, I had to go check the G Easy song called uh, uh, "Endless Summer," and uh, he samples this uh, "Run Around Sue" in that, um, and then Megan Trainer. Uh, for her her song "Dear Future Husband," she she also uh, samples this. So definitely is one of those songs that's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, I feel bad about my score. Yeah, I no, I don't feel bad about my score. I thought initially seeing that this was on here, thought this might possibly be my top score because this is one of the earliest songs I ever remember hearing. Like 
your parents playing the oldies station when they're driving around in the car. I've, I've been listening to this song for almost 50 years, but he, and he doesn't change the words, but he changes like the emphasis and the, and, and like the pattern. And so it completely messed it up for me. It's like, it's not, I, if he'd have done it true to the, the original, I guess it might've scored higher, but he, like I say, he doesn't change a single word, but he just changes how he delivers them. And, it skewed the whole thing. So what about the delivery that is skewing it so much that he's making it a little bit, uh, I won't say dirty, but more, Worse. more bar room. Well, yeah, this is a song about a, about a promiscuous girl named Sue, yeah. but he, yeah, I didn't think that I just thought he, he just taught a lesson and it's not about what you say. It's how you say it. Okay. Brian, what you got on Run Around Sue? Well, I don't want to wax philosophical on the uh, on the cover of Run Around Sue. I think in the movie, it's supposed to show that they were just a plain old '60s bar band, and then they became so much more. Uh, I put it at five. I think it's a solid cover. I have a sweet spot in my heart for it. There you go, Wayne. Your score a four, and I'm matching my matching fours as well. Jeez, we've had three scores matching. I know. I know. I believe Uh-oh. that's the sign of Armageddon. Uh, just, <laughs> just so you know, we only match one more time. Okay. So there we go. All right, next song, Down on My Knees. guys uh like the the extra dialogue from the movie at the beginning of the song is that does that add anything maybe it does I mean, for brian cute. but maybe not for wayne since he's never seen the movie no they well i watched a youtube video where they where they did it and i i get it i don't have a problem with it but what i do have a problem with is that i feel like they lifted the the rhythm from uh woman from tokyo by deep purple like it's oh almost <laughs> like I we should play it right now, but they clearly, whether I'm not, maybe it was unintentional, but they, they lifted it right out of there. Interesting. Okay. Brian, do you get a deep purple vibe on this? You know what? That didn't, that didn't do anything to the score for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, it's, I, I, it's never, it's never been my favorite on the record. I've always thought it was just kind of like a filler track. Uh, I gave it a, gave it a three. Okay. This song gets gets in my head when I hear when I hear the soundtrack. Um, I, I I like the delivery of down on my down on my knees. I don't know. It gets it's gets stuck in my brain. So um, this is my seven. And Wayne, a five. I thought it tried to be sexy and just missed. Okay. All right. Um, and if you're listening to the Spotify version, so this then leads into 
hang up my rock and roll shoes. Also, in the movie, they are connected. Yeah. <laughs> And and if there was ever a uh, a a definite '60s vibe to this to this soundtrack, um, this definitely has it with the the shoe bop and the shoe bops, right? Yes, indeed. Oh yeah, this is this is right up there. This is uh, I listened to the original Chuck Wills version version, which is a little I don't know. This one's missing something from that. I still really liked it, and yes, this one. For continuity's sake, this is right what an early uh, a bar band in the early '60s would be doing something like this. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, I this was my introduction to this song, so I gave it a four, uh, but only because uh, there's some coming up that I that I truly love. And this one's, uh, you know, I love this scene in the movie on the record. It's never been a must. Uh, I totally agree with that. This is my three, and Wayne, I gave it a six. I think mostly for what it what it could have been and, and the fact that it matched up with what the, the everything came together, the time period and what they were actually playing. All right. Sounds good. Let's flip the record over. Let's do it. And this is <laughs> wild summer nights is lead song on side B. I'm just going to let Brian uh, wax philosophical on uh, Wild Summer Night. Hell yeah, man. All right, man. If you're going for a bombastic Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band feel, look no further than Wild Summer Nights. I mean, this is this is over the top. It's ridiculous. It's um, it's so on the nose that it, it should have been shot down, but it wasn't. And that makes me love it all the more. 10 out of 10 for me. Wow. All right. Uh, what, what about the chorus that the chorus to me is so Bruce Springsteen. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and there's lots of that. And to me, once again, I, I really like this song too. The, the, if I, I took some points off because they really capture not so much that it sounded like early sixties, but that it sounded like 
it could have been ahead of its time. It could have really kind of lived in both worlds. Um, but at the end, they go in, the, the, it almost is like the guitar player is going to jump into a face melting solo for a second. And then he stops. And then all of a sudden, Dennis DeYoung starts playing the piano. And I'm at the end and I, I don't, I like everything was going along so well. I just didn't know why they did that. It's a great song about cars and girls and summer. It's, it's got everything that the Jersey shore needs. And then they went at the end and tried to get, and I don't even know what they were thinking. Like it's almost felt like sabotage. My guess is they were going for Roy Bitten, but uh, I see what you mean. Uh, you know, and you yeah. can't win them all, but, uh, you know, for me at that point, this song this song already has me sold. <laughs> yeah, I I love the lyrics. And I love I love oh, the absolutely. delivery of it as well. So uh, you know where he kind of does the street lights and a short pause. Crystallize the city. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like if I saw some, if I was at yeah. a bar, oh, yeah. and somebody was like, "We're gonna do an original now. It's called Wild Summer Nights," and they busted into this, I'd be like, "Whoa, man, you're about to get sued." Um, but you know, for some reason I've never gotten over this song. No, it's great. It's great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's get some scores. Brian. 10 out of 10. All right. Wayne. Seven. And this is my nine. Next song, Boardwalk Angel. guys check your twitter lately oh did you just send me a thing about this yeah what is this so um (laughs) there's there's a line dance for this song oh good for you ladies that's good for you ladies it's very unfortunate Uh, i was trying to find a video for this and i stumbled into this line dance uh it's it's great um guys know the singer billy joel royal no no um name i've heard i don't so he covered this for his record in 86 and that's where the line dance is for it's for the billy joe billy joe uh version so anyways uh i'm not gonna say that it affected my score at all this the song just doesn't do a whole lot for me but i mean it's it's a nice again early 60s vibe song and Brian, where in the movie is is this song? So, uh, Boardwalk Angel. Uh, I don't think there's actually a particular performance of this song. I think it kind of uh, underscores some uh, beautiful uh, beach scenes. Uh, uh, one of those. But, you know, it's a really strong song. I, I noticed – so I, this is one of those songs I was telling you. I, I remember – uh, having seen John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, where they go uh, on the shores of Jersey, but they change that to to something else because I don't know they must be embarrassed by the they're not from Jersey or whatever. But, of Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is a this is one of those things. I mean, again, very on the nose. Um, but you know, it's 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 effective, man. It feels like the boardwalk. They did it. 
If, if I was writing yeah. on assignment and they said, uh, write me a song about the boardwalk in Jersey in 1962, maybe 1985, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in a way, this sounds like a mashup between under the boardwalk by the drifters and hungry heart by uh, Bruce Springsteen. But it's, I mean, they literally, they lift a lot of under the boardwalk for this, but they, this time they're doing it on purpose and they're doing it as, I, I mean, it comes off as a tribute to the, to the drifters and under the boardwalk and all of the songs and, and the groups like that. So it has all, once again, this has lots of elements of the sixties to where it could have been a song that was, a would have been a bit ahead of its time in 62. But like I say, what I liked about it is that it was a, it felt like a tribute because there it's, I mean, if you listen to it, there's parts of it that are right out of under the boardwalk, but it's, it's intentional. And it's, it seems like with a genuine, uh, with, with a genuine tribute. Okay. So what's your score on this? This is a nine. I really like the song. I've got it at seven. And this is my five. All right. Next song is Betty Lou's got a new pair of shoes. vocals is not Cafferty. This is Kenny Vance. You guys know who Kenny Vance is? Yeah, he was somebody that they hired for the movie too, and then he and they actually let him be in it. Yeah, he was the music producer for yeah. for the for for the soundtrack. Yes. And then, so he was in Jay and the Americans. Ah. Uh, so uh Jay and the Americans released 15 albums dating back to 1962 here's a fun little fact the group was the opening act for the beatles first u.s performance and also the rolling stones first u.s performance oh that must have been rough on them (laughs) yeah how's how's that uh do you I, I wonder if they go, you know, we could have been a contender. Um, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I've heard, I had some friends that I think Jay and the Americans is like, you know, like the platters or the drifters where they've split into like this guy's Jay and the Americans and that guy's Jay and the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there remains one Jay or one Americans. No, prob- probably not. Probably not. Um, all right. So, so that's, that's Kenny. Um, so this is a cover, uh, this is a cover of a Bobby Freeman hit and Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know Bobby Freeman. You guys know Bobby Freeman? That is not a little bit. So I had to do, I had to do a little, uh, little research. So he did have a couple top five hits, a song called, do you want to dance from 1958? Yeah. 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 With the beach boys version. And then Come On and Swim from 1964. That was also a, a top. That one I'm less familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Betty Lou was, uh, peaked at number 37 on the U.S. pop chart. Do we give a damn about Betty Lou getting a new pair of shoes? Yeah. And why would she try on a size 12 first? <laughs> I, I thought that was the oddest lyric. 
you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I have this song at one. <laughs> uh, it's it's there's nothing wrong with the song. It's just no one ever needs to hear this particular version of this song in the movie. It serves a a purpose which is like one of the guys in the band is playing at the holiday inn now and this right. is the song he's playing and that's why it ended up on the soundtrack but it's not actually it's a full skip yeah yeah um i didn't skip just because i was listening to it on vinyl so yeah i Sorry i uh <laughs> i it sounds like the early 60s um it's but yeah it's overly repetitive it's the second reference to shoes i will point that out and uh, she clearly has gotten a new pair of shoes, and that's that's. If I don't hear it again, I'll be okay. So, who had the foot fetish? Was it John Cafferty, or was it Kenny Vance who had the foot fetish? There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with a with a, with a foot fetish, but I just was pointing it out. I don't. Not, I'm not judging. I just wanted it recognized. Not judging. Okay, not judging. I want to say I, th- I believe on the Against the Wind record, Bob Seger does a version of this song, but it's Betty Lou's "Getting Out Tonight." Yeah. But it's okay. the same song. It's yes. the same song. You know. Okay. This is my two. Wayne? I gave it a three just because I there was a couple that I liked less, but it it's it could have been a three way tie. Brian. Uh one. All right. Next song, those oldies but goodies remind me of you. So this is part of the same scene right. that he's uh, he's he's in an oldies review at the Holiday Inn. So it's it's it sounds like he's in an oldies review at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, uh, original performed by Little Caesar and the Romans, reached number nine on the U.S. pop chart wow. in 1961. There you go. Oh, I mean, it's a sweet song. Uh, mm. This version is just not anything anybody would ever need to hear ever. Yeah. Did anybody get the? Uh, did anybody uh, just see that scene in Back to the Future where Marty McFly is in the band and he's disappearing? Because this is, I, I feel like they're playing either this song or the song that this song is trying to rip off. Oh, maybe. Mm. Now I got to go watch Back to the Future too, as well. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, anything else? Nah. None of us want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, let's no. move on. Let's move on. I'm, I'm All right. This is my this is my lowest, Wayne. Same. Brian. Uh I, I have it at a two. But only because Betty Lou just <laughs> Betty Lou's never done she, it for me. No, she, no. I don't know if you know it, but she got a new pair of shoes. Uh and the and it's not a size twelve, I can tell you that. Well, that's what she tried first though, so I'm curious as to know what what size they were, but I'm not going to waste much uh, time and thought on that. All right. Next song, Season in Hell, in parentheses, Fire Sweet.
And Brian, tell us why this song sounds so different from the rest of the record. So in the movie, this is the song he's recording uh, when the industry execs come in and they say they don't understand it and it's it's noise and it's too experimental and then he drives off a bridge. Uh, so this is supposed to be like his opus, his his magnum opus, his a day in a life, his uh, uh, pet sounds. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think it quite lives up to that, but um, you know what? It's it's an interesting song. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I guess they probably should have spent a little more time being trying to to make this a little more. I would say like proggy, <laughs> then it would have been really. <laughs> different so that because i it's not that much different from the rest of the the, the songs uh, enough where you're going to drive your car off of a bridge but <laughs> um yeah wayne what what do you got on this oh this yeah it doesn't fit at all um yeah you should drive your car off a bridge because you were forced to listen to it this could have been my number one but i, I don't know what what prompted me to not, but the lyrics are. But I'm wondering o- if that's because you haven't watched the movie and you don't understand. Do you think that I'm just missing context? That's what I'm missing in on this song is the Maybe. context. Yeah, ben yeah. saying you don't get it, Wayne. <laughs> I, I feel that that is, and, and I can't deny that could be, that's a possibility I haven't explored, but you're not, you're not feeling, you're not feeling that it's that much different. It's not the magnum opus as as Brian. it's exaggeratedly different. It's not anything that anybody would have came up with in 1962, even if you were on the cutting edge and trying to get outside of the box. Um, okay. It sounds like something from the early 80s. It doesn't sound like anything good from the early 80s. <laughs> All right. But tell us uh, how you really feel. Yeah. Wayne, how many shots have you had so far to, tonight? Just that one. Okay. Kicking in. All right, Brian, your score? Six. And Wayne? Two. All right. And this is my six as well. All right. Did we cover it? Did we miss anything? We did the whole album. Yeah, that's this is that's it. I'm that's wondering it. if if this is the first and last podcast to ever uh, do a full episode on Eddie and the Cruiser soundtrack. Uh, maybe, but not Eddie and the Cruisers too. <laughs> there's there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I, okay, well, I guess um, what are you doing next week? We'll record that episode. I am doing I'm, absolutely nothing, and I'm, I'm happy and available. I have that on vinyl too. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this is the time that uh, we figure out what our top five is. So, any guesses on number one? Uh, I would say I think number one's probably going to be on the dark side. Yeah. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne and I both uh, had that as our top song. Um, number two is Brian's top song, Wild Summer Nights. Nice. nice. Average score of 8.66. Tender Years, 8.33. So that's our number three song. Uh, Boardwalk Angel. Um, that is our fourth top song. And Wayne is going to go learn the line dance right after this episode. <laughs> Well, no one, you think, no what talk about something no one wants to see. That would be right up there. Right. And then um, Down on My Knees, it rounds out our top five. And that's probably largely due to my, I had that as my, my seven. So, 
Okay, um, I can live yeah. with that. Yeah, that's that's a solid side A, right? We we should probably just put all of the Betty Lou's and hang up my rock and roll shoes, put all the shoe songs on side B and Yeah, the the, the shoe songs are on side B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Season in Hell just missed out on our top five, and that's because Wayne just doesn't get it. So, I know. <laughs> the right story of my too, life. Too, no, too complex for Wayne. Yeah, no context. Story of my life. Yeah. All right. Um so Brian, this has been fun. Absolutely. Hell yeah, it has. I would do this every week with you guys, just talking about the Eddie and the Cruiser soundtrack. Let's let's do it. Let's we'll we'll we'll, I, we'll do a we follow have, up. We, yeah, we may have covered all that we have on that, but <laughs> all right. So so Brian, remind uh, our listeners where they can find all your happenings. Uh well, um, everything's on BrianDunnMusic.net. Uh, the new album comes out uh, while well, as we're recording it uh, in an hour and fifty two minutes. Um, but, uh, it was everywhere that music is available and, uh, you know, come find me. You doing any kind of album release party? Online? <laughs> yes, we are. We are. But that's tomorrow night. Will this be out by tomorrow? No, it won't be. Yeah. Okay. Well then are you, you should know that it? you missed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be up for forever. Okay. There you go. On the youtube.com. Go check it out on the YouTube.com. All right. So usually this is where I, I ask people for uh, who do you know that I don't know, but um, we've we've got a long referral trail that uh, started uh, a couple people back and has continued to, to to garner some 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 nice guests. We got uh, we just recorded a couple weeks ago with uh, a friend of yours, Ken Yates. Oh, Kenny did it. What, what record did he do? So he did uh, Southeastern by Jason Isbell. Oh, nice. You wouldn't know because uh, he hasn't promoted it on the social. So I'm wondering <laughs> if he just wasn't, wasn't happy. Wait, with you guys. That. Oh, you released it? Oh, yeah. Uh, two oh. weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I have a video chat with him in at midnight tonight. So I will get on him about there, it. There you go. Well, I'm just wondering if we did something. Did we say something wrong? Wayne, I didn't. Wayne, did, I didn't know. Did you, did you did you offend him with having cover me up as one of your lower scores? Whoa! I, ho- I would hope that's not it, but that's that's not fair. That that record has a lot of good songs. I mean, it's not fair. If that's it, okay. I, I don't think we. I I thought we were a joy, a pleasure, if you will. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll find out from him. Okay. All right. Well, who who else should we be having on this? this podcast that that uh that that would pick something like eddie and the cruisers well you know so, i've had all my i've given you guys all my friends but uh i bet john cafferty would do it i don't think he's doing much these days we, we should we should ask john cafferty what he's up to there's no have him do a asking. deep dive on my record oh there you go yeah that's actually kind of that a would cool be concept. fun that would be fun <laughs> Would you be uh, Would you be offended if he was like, oh, you know that that song about uh, chasing ghosts was was a real stinker? Absolutely not. I would be honored. <laughs> True story. Ken has opened for them for oh, okay. John Cafferty to be a run band, and we were hanging out that night. I had a show with this guy Delbert McClinton, and he had a show with John Cafferty. And we met up after and had we had, we shared a hotel room, and he has some very funny stories about that night. <laughs> I, I bet. 
Well, we asked Ken who he knew that we didn't know, and he didn't throw Cafferty out there. That's, that's no. I wouldn't say they know each other. <laughs> no, he opened for him. Just one show. Just one show. Okay. All right. How about you? What it, What is your one show that you opened for that uh, you're like, oh yeah, I've got that in my resume. Like a weird one. Yeah. Uh, I did two New Year's Eves with Tower of Power that went over terribly. <laughs> <laughs> It was a nightmare, uh, and it, it must have been some sort of confusion as to who I was, but they asked me to do it twice, and the money was good enough that I couldn't turn it down, but if you can imagine the crowd of people that would come to see me and the crowd of people that would come to see Tower of right. Power, not, not exactly crossover. And on a New Year's Eve, where people are wanting to party. Oh, man, it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Find all of our happenings on our Facebook page or on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne Man's the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast there. And of course, we're on all the major platforms for podcast. Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, wherever you find, find podcasts like this. And uh, please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show whenever we can get back out at it. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record, especially one that's called um, Selling Things. Visit a record store and not just on Record Store Day whenever we can get back out there. And we are Records Revisited and we are out. 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 Out.